0: Today on your Faves Faves, I am sitting down with one of my faves, Todrick Hall. Todrick is a singer, songwriter, dancer, actor, choreographer, producer, social media influencer with over 3 million subscribers and 650 million views across all of his videos. More recently, you might have seen him in Taylor Swift's video, You Need to Calm Down, because he helped her create that special kind of magic. Todrick has been on Broadway in Kinky Boots, Chicago, The Color Purple, and Memphis. And he's a recurring judge and resident choreographer on RuPaul's Drag Race. And today, we are covering one of my favorite topics and one of his, top five Disney movies. This is a hard list to narrow down, but he has his favorites. I have mine. Please make sure you check in on social media and tag us both and let us know what your top five favorites are. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Todrick Hall. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is your Faves Face. I'm dead. I can't even believe you're in front of me right now. (laughs) I'm so excited. And I feel like in my heart, I know what I want your list to be about. But you have chosen five things. I'm going to support whatever they are, but my fingers are crossed. What what are your what's your list
1: so then the category that that we talked about was broadway because i'm a huge broadway fan and if the lighting okay. was right rachel i would take you over to the broadway room in my house but i don't want to you know like oh okay I make sure no you're
0: you look perfect keep it as is okay i'm here for this i did think that there was a chance you were mm-hmm. doing top five disney movies just based on the background that we're working on. Well, i'm right always now. ready
1: to do that because i have both well
0: you go, you lead the way. And my only other question is, is this list in order from what you believe is like, like, will we be leading up to the number one top or is it just a mixed bag? It's in no particular order.
1: Well, it's in no particular order, but now that I'm thinking about it, I do want to just do my top five Disney movies because everybody doesn't love Broadway. And I love Disney just as much as I love Broadway. So this is me going on the fly, Rachel.
0: I like it. I like it. And I feel very strongly about this category. So I'm going to also offer opinions back if that feels appropriate. Give me, we'll do no particular order because that feels too hard to like have them,
1: you know, in numerical order. Uh, Once I say them out loud, then we can do the order. Okay, great. So I will say the first thing that comes to mind is Beauty and the Beast. And I have reasons why I love okay. Beauty and the Beast. I okay. I love it because it's kind of like, it's not gender neutral, but I, I love that the, the fact that she, Belle, was such a strong woman because a lot of times in Disney movies, right. they were not strong women. They were damsels in you're distress. Right. And yes. the fact that yes. she was able to fall in love, not just with the Beast, who was like extremely hairy and huge and probably didn't smell good. Right. They don't focus on that part, right. Rachel. Right, right.
0: They leave that out. They leave they it leave out. out. But you're right.
1: But the fact that she was able to equally fall in love with a bunch of inanimate objects. And it's like difficult to not fall in love with Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Potts. But um, that's one of the reasons why Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorites.
0: Well, so I would like to add into this mix. When I was a little girl, I saw Beauty and the Beast 14 times in the theater wow well let me give you a little bit of a caveat there there was a theater in my hometown that during the summer you could watch a movie for 50 cents oh wow and so my brother and i just went to the these over and over and over and over and i had the opportunity to get to go to the premiere of the light. no wait i missed that one but i saw cinderella live action i think was the one that beyonce surprised everyone and brought
1: blue oh wow and
0: i missed it and i died. But I saw it in the theater. And when I saw live action in the theater, I sobbed my eyeballs out because I had forgotten how much I love that movie. So I highly approve of this choice.
1: Well, okay. So I'm, I'm,
0: how do you feel about them remaking the old movies. I love the idea.
1: Okay. So funny story. I'm not saying it's my fault that this happened, but I had a meeting with somebody who was a super high level executive. And I was like, I don't think that you need to do something different with Beauty and the Beast. I think people would just love to see Beauty and the Beast as a live action film. I'm sure lots of other people gave them that idea. So I'm not taking credit for it, but I was really excited. I just wish, you know, like no offense to Emma, but I've I just I would have loved to see a Catherine McPhee there or a Broadway actress or somebody who mm. who Bell was like missing the the voice and the the spark to me. Um, even though she mm. had a cute voice, but I had just. Once Beauty and the Beast came out, you know, I then fell in love with the Broadway production of Beauty and the Beast with Susan Egan. And then I saw Christy Carlson Romano and Annalise Vanderpool in it. And I even think I saw Carrie Butler in it. So I, as a huge Broadway fan, I felt that Beauty and the Beast was one of the best transitions from a film to a movie. And the way that they brought all the characters to life was just so awesome. Mm-hmm. And so I since I had seen all these uh, amazing Broadway beltresses, I also have a relationship with Beauty and the Beast because of so many things. I loved it growing up, obviously. But secondly, the first job I had out of high school was dancing in the Beauty and the Beast show at Disney World, what was then called Hollywood Studios, (laughs) or MGM Studios is now called Hollywood Studios. I was in that show. My first national tour I did was the national tour of Beauty and the Beast. And the first viral video I did was Beauty and the Beat, where I put Belle in the middle of the hood in Crenshaw and had her walking around. It was the only video I've ever done where I got a million views in one day. I I was a fairly small YouTuber, but it was the definition of going viral. And so I just have had a very very close relationship with the story of Beauty and the Beast, so I was like a little let down by that by that live action movie. But I love the concept. I just feel like the execution is sometimes not where it's at. But I'm sure that's a lot of pressure to to me.
0: I'm curious then, and 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 forgive me because I sort of will follow rabbit holes kind of down the trail. Okay. But do you have an opinion on of all the of all the Disney movies that they've made live action, which one do you think is the best?
1: That's a really hard question. I would have to say, hands down, it's Cinderella, but I don't feel like that was a retelling of the Disney movie of Cinderella, You're because correct. there's not music, there's right. no Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo, right. this, so this is love, there's no A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, which people right. forget because it's such a Disney anthem is from the original Cinderella. Mm-hmm. But I thought costume-wise, casting-wise, the, 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 the filmography- Gorgeous. By the way, my cats are in here losing their mind so you're probably gonna
0: oh i saw that on instagram that you just got these
1: so they're probably gonna be making noise in the background and i just
0: that feels great that feels very great i want to apologize on behalf of regina and george i (laughs) i don't think i saw that you named them that (laughs) that's fantastic oh my god well and isn't wasn't the cinderella remake the one where the king dies and he curls up in bed with his dad do you remember that? I do vaguely I remember that in the beginning. Yeah. Where it, it has nothing, it was never in the movie, but it was this beautiful poignant moment where the king is sort of slowly dying and he wants his son to get married. And it's that last, like he, he has just died. And this prince who's like the most powerful, sexy, whatever, curls up in bed next to his, Father's body, like a little boy, and is crying over his dad, and it was just like,
1: oh, I honestly God. don't remember that scene in the movie. So I guess it didn't really. I feel make like it I end. gotta
0: look it up now, Chelsea. Look it up and see if I just made that moment <laughs> because I'm gonna be sad if I did. You guys are uh, like, what maybe it was a like about?
1: exclusive deleted scene that you saw, right? Um, no,
0: I think it was a moment. But sorry, okay, go back to your list. We've got Beauty and the Beast. What else?
1: Okay, another one of my favorites is Hocus Pocus, which is Disney, and people forget sometimes it's Disney, so we have to bring her in. I think that's one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. I love it.
0: So good. yeah.
1: And, and and I didn't know so many facts about that movie that that Rosie O'Donnell was supposed to be in it, but then she turned it down and was supposed to be the Mary character that Kathy and Jimmy later played. Wow. Um, which, uh, because she didn't think it would be good for her image, I believe, which is really interesting. And also, because Nightmare Before Christmas was coming out and Disney didn't want them to compete, Hocus Pocus came out, I think, in the middle of the summer.
0: summer yeah yeah, and
1: so then it was kind of like considered to be a flop and now it's a cult classic and I think would break box office records if they were to put it in the movie theater but they just announced that Disney Plus is going to do like a special on it and uh, I don't know when this is going to be aired to people but on the 30th of October I'm doing Bette Midler's her her special Halloween extravaganza. Yeah. yeah. And that has just been like a life goal to speak to Bette Midler on the phone was like one of the like top, if we were going to do another list of like top five moments of my entire life oh. or career, that would be in them. So oh, I oh love man. that movie. I just think that their performances are so iconic. And I always go on YouTube and fall into rabbit holes of like seeing like the making of and how people got cast. And I always just think those things are so ridiculously fascinating. So that's that's always very interesting to me.
0: So uh, i Chelsea did just confirm the scene from Cinderella. I'm not making it, it up. She sent the link to you if you want to watch it later. Okay, cool. Todrick, if you need to sort of see this poignant moment when his father dies, okay, <laughs> dig into that. But I am uh, remind me because Hocus Pocus. I was just watching it with my kids last week, and it was. Who who wrote it or directed it? Daniel big... Ortega
1: directed it. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And it's so, there's so many elements that make it great. Beyond the the Sanderson sisters, which are just so freaking good. And the, the fact that it was like, oh, we've got Bette Midler. Let's go ahead and just have her perform. Because why, yes, why not? Why not? Why would you not? Yeah. Right the story's really good the all the different characters like Billy Butcherson you're getting chased by a zombie there's a cat there's a like it is so freaking good I love that that's on your list
1: I, yeah it's definitely at the top of my list okay so then I have to like there are I love every Disney movie but if I'm being really really like, like looking at all the movies this really helps that they're all here I think another one of my favorite movies is a goofy movie because Tevin Campbell is everything to me. And before there was ever a Princess Tiana or any Black characters, I wanted to believe that, like, Max and Powerline were, like, a... 100%. An, some 100%. type of ethnic, ethnic family, even though they were voiced by white characters. But definitely Powerline was African-American. And I really feel that Disney Plus should do, like, a live, like, film. Like, it's in the 90s, but with prosthetics, like, in the same vein as The Grinch was filmed with Jim Carrey. They should yes. do a remake. And make it feel completely yes. 90s tastic of a goofy movie.
0: A goofy movie is 100% one of the best movies they've ever done. Underrated. I have made my kids right. And my kids don't get it. I've made, I've tried many times the amount of times I have watched that movie over and over. Or, how old are you?
1: <clears throat> oh my Sorry, God. I'll only
0: ask because oh, I feel like you're No, I'm saying I'm 35. I'm 35. Okay, I'm 37. So I'm like, I feel like we're at a similar age because there, there's a very specific time period for people who would have seen a Goofy movie. But the music is so freaky. Good. It's, so good it's so good and it's funny it's super funny like they go out in the woods and Bigfoot's on the car and they're trying to get him to go away like it's a little so girl with
1: three well teeth that's taking the photos she's hilarious what a star right. and then it does right. i think she ends up at the same possum park later or a very similar kid with the yes. same t- tooth yes. count
0: Lester's possum
1: oh my Palace. god i love it Come on. um i used to like totally i learned how to funny. yodel from that from from watching that as a kid. Like I wanted to learn how to that yodel so I could sing right. Lester's Possum Park. And then just Tevin Campbell has one of the most iconic and legendary voices of all time. Like I just think his instrument is so like timeless and classic. So him singing the songs of Powerline, like he could sing anything and make it sound good. But there's right. just something about 90s music that just makes me happy. It's like when I hear Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey, like no matter what mood I'm in. Yeah. I instantly become in a great great mood. Or if I listen to Dream Lover, any of those songs, like they make me feel great. It takes you back. And so yeah. that, that song, maybe it's just the nostalgia, but I just love the fashion. I like the way they dress. Uh, I just love the girl who played like six on uh, Blossom, like the character that she yes. plays. And I always am like quoting lines, like it's the Leaning Tower of Jesus. And like nobody <laughs> thinks it's funny because nobody knows. But if they do, then that's a person that I immediately move up into like my imaginary MySpace right. topic.
0: Right, right, right. Like the Polly Shore moment, yes. of that, which I forgot until you just said it right now. Because there was a moment in time where Polly Shore was a huge deal. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So we have Hocus Pocus. We have okay. We have a goofy movie. We have Beauty and the Beast, classic. Now I have to think about Pixar, and it's a really big toss-up for me because Ooh, I love Zootopia okay. and Wreck It Ralph. But I love Zootopia because, as an African American gay male, it was the first time I feel like Disney like acknowledged so many like political issues and but served them mm-hmm. in a way that a child could see it, embrace it. Like when it talks about the racism and how you're judging possums or uh, foxes. I don't know if you've seen Zootopia, but it's such a great movie. Yeah. Totally. Um, And the fact that- Like you're
0: judging predators by the way that they look and then they're sort of made to be worse. And yeah, absolutely. It was
1: just so, and it had like little references to drugs because they were selling all the, the the sheep were selling all those like weird Mm -hmm. things. And just the fact that like the sheep were like white because that is something that we've always from doves to white kittens to whatever like looked at as something like not just in in human form, but just when you see something white, you think of pure and cleanliness Mm -hmm. and dark is like, race aside is looked at as like such a villainous, scary, like it feels like it's like it's Halloween. And so I just I just love that movie for so many reasons. But I think that Wreck It Ralph is like one of those movies for some strange reason, Rachel, I don't cry very much at all. But that movie, I it is impossible for me to not weep. When I hear that last monologue that Wreck It Ralph does about how Vanellope like means so much to him. And every day he gets to see her as they push her up and seeing her be the star that she was supposed to be. I think that right now I'm going through a huge baby fever phase and I want to have a kid so bad that like.
0: So you got hairless cats. So that feels like a good step in the right (laughs) direction.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's just that movie that. That movie does it for me.
0: My three year old has watched Wreck It Ralph 10,000 times. Oh my gosh! So you are not the only one who loves that movie. I
1: love it, I love it so much. And I remember seeing it the first time and being like, Oh, that was cute, that's okay. And now, yeah, when I watch it. I can't watch it with somebody that I'm going to potentially date because I have to take 15 minutes at least when the movie is done to get myself to stop crying. It's really crazy. Right. I'm not exaggerating in the slightest. Like I weep cry when I watch that movie. So that's my fourth one. And then I know for sure what my fifth one is. And this one would be at the top of the list, which is why I saved it for last. And it okay. is the May, it is Disney but it's the made-for-TV, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella starring Brandy and Whitney Houston and Victor Garber, oh, Murnette yeah. Peters, Whitby Goldberg. That movie changed my life. It was the first time I saw an African-American princess. The choreography, the costumes, the way the set was designed. It was just like so amazing. And what I loved about it is I remember seeing an interview of Whitney Houston on one of the Wayans Brothers shows. I don't remember what it, which one it was. But she talked about how she wanted to have a rainbow cast. And it just was insane for me to like grow up watching that movie and not think it was weird that Victor Garber and Whoopi Goldberg, who are like completely white and African-American, had this Filipino child, Paulo Montalban, who I had a huge crush on growing up. Uh, That's the first time I can remember being like, you might be gay, Todrick. But that was, that was a huge moment. And I've never before then or since then seen a show where people didn't feel the need to justify the reason why a family was was colorful or whatever it's always been you know a a situation where people you know this person is adopted or there's a reason why the family is so colorful and in that story it it was a non-important an unimportant factor And it was just so well done. And I've always had like the most respect for Brandy. And when I became friends with her, I like talked her ear off about that movie. And so over here, there's an autographed version of that from Brandy to me. And it's one of my like most uh, prized possessions that I have.
0: Oh, that's so rad. The movie that didn't make your list that I feel like I would like to add as an honorary mention, though it is one of those movies that. Like many Disney movies, that when we rewatch it, we're like, "Well, oh, that's probably not appropriate on most levels." But it is my favorite movie of Disney's.
1: Oh is wow! Mulan. Okay.
0: The original mm-hmm. Mulan, um, which today as a adult, I watch it. I'm like, "Well, oh, there's so many cultural and like inappropriate." But in similarly to what you're saying with Belle, as a little girl, I had never seen a woman be yeah. a warrior. And so it was there you were showing a woman or this this young girl like fighting and being smart and it being not about that. She looked like a pretty, pretty princess, but that she was For doing her family things. to honor her and family, I to loved, save her family, to protect right, her dad. I loved that. movie. I love that. too. Yeah, I love that because it wasn't something that we had seen. Have you seen the new one? Um,
1: I have seen the new one. I didn't make it through it the entire way. I what I are your fell I wasn't really into, I I think that I'm just one of those people, maybe it's because I'm a Broadway kid and I respect things that are live, but when I see people running up walls and stuff, I just start to find it, no matter how well it's executed, it comes off cheesy to me and it it takes me out of reality. If you're not Mm -hmm. a magician and it's not supposed to be like a magical moment, like I love when Bette Midler slides someone up a wall when she's attacking Max but when i see it in a modern day movie i just feel like sometimes they're not really taking the the years and years and years of planning and preparation that it should take to execute these movies that are going to last the test of time it's like every year there's two movies coming right. out last year we had dumbo and something else and this year i mean it just it just seems like they should take a little bit of time two or three years like there were so many like moments in lion king where i was like oh we just almost got there but we didn't and And so for for me, I think everybody has a different experience with it. But for me, it's like, I don't know. There have been some moments where I've just been like, I honestly love the Lady and the Tramp uh, remake that they put on Disney Plus uh, that didn't go to theaters. It's like one of my favorite remakes. I love it. And I think it's so adorable and really cute. But I think sometimes like in the haste to like feed the beast and like make sure that the audience is entertained and to break records and to get the biggest names that they can get, they lose something because like that the people who voiced the characters uh, um, of of the disney movies were huge actors and actresses on broadways on broadway but they were never like the biggest stars of the day they didn't feel the need to be like we're going to put ariana grande as ariel which i think would be a good casting decision by the way right. but but it's not it wasn't necessary it was like it like the story spoke for itself and it didn't have to be such a star-studded cast and i don't think that disney needs that i think that they are so powerful and their storytelling is like any other, and they've made a reputation of telling stories that always like defy odds that like give you great heroes from Finding Nemo to The Incredibles to like, you know, watching Zootopia or whatever to uh, Sleeping Beauty or to the new Mary Poppins remake. I, there's just so many movies where I feel like they take a story that you think that you know and twist it in a way that you didn't see coming, even as an adult who watches a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that thing that they used to have is like starting to, to dwindle away a little bit to me. And so I haven't liked the things that are coming out recently as much as I liked the movies that they used to create.
0: Right. How much did, I mean, I'm assuming based on what's going on behind you that you grew up watching these movies and consuming this stuff, how much did that play into the creativity that you bring to your work? So much. I
1: I didn't have like a child. I was never a kid who like secretly wanted to watch rated R movies or things that were like PG-13. I was totally content rewatching the Disney movies over and over and over again. If it's a Disney classic, I can probably quote it. I can tell you every character. I know every song. I loved it so much. I mean. I grew up, I learned how to dance from watching the Disney parade every year and recording it and doing the choreography. And last year, I don't know if you know this or this year, oh my gosh, this year at the beginning of the year, I wrote the the parade magic happens for the Disneyland theme park. I got to like, not only be the voice that opens the parade but I got to create the, take the IP and the music from the Disney movies and classics that I grew up watching and put a new fun, like more contemporary twist on it. And going there, you know, I grew up so poor, I never thought I would even get to step foot into a Disney park in real life. And the fact that I have now worked for wow. Disney parks and then gone back to being able to write the music for Disney park is just, you know, like, <laughs> I don't want to be cheesy, but the circle of life is just like, it, it, it is like such a full circle moment for for me because I, I I don't know very many people who are as big of Disney fans as I am. Yeah. It has been a huge part of my YouTube channel. I did a lot of parodies. It's been a huge inspiration for me as Mm -hmm. far as what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, and the way that I write music and tell stories, like whether they're family appropriate or not. It was the thing that taught me how to be creative and taught me and introduced me to the world of Broadway, which is ultimately what I ended up falling into. But it was. I had no introduction to that. So telling stories and then making these big, over-the-top, dramatic, fantastical, whimsical musical numbers always appealed to me. And then when I learned about Broadway, I realized that it was the same Alan Minken and Howard Ashman that were writing Little Shop of Horrors and some of the other musicals I was falling in love with were the people behind this. And the people singing these songs were people who had like very incredible Broadway resumes.
0: How do uh, this is maybe like such a massive question but how do you keep i don't know that i would say like rein, you're not reinventing yourself because you are so much who you are but you it feels like it's you never you never settle you never stay you're constantly going, okay, now what? Now let me, like, where does that come from? Is that who you have always been? Or is that a learned skill over time when it comes it's to? It's something things that you know? I don't
1: really think about. I think I go through chapters where I I say, I pushed myself as far as I can go with this. Like I've sang at every restaurant because I started my channel singing at McDonald's and drive-thrus. And then I was like, oh, I want to do a flash mob. And I started doing flash mobs everywhere because that was the popular thing. And then I was like, you know, I really would like to do like a parody. And, and so I would want to take a song, see if I could rewrite it and make it be funny and go viral that way. And then I went through a phase where I was just doing parodies and retelling stories that I loved. And then and then at, at a certain point, I was like, I think that I should graduate to the next level and start writing my own songs because I've gotten so much experience from writing music that I think that I could do this and get the same amount of views with my own music, which would be the ultimate goal And then I started doing that. So it's always challenging myself now that I've done so many videos and gotten a lot of views online and had a lot of viral videos. A lot of people have had one or two viral videos, if any, in their life. And I've been blessed to have so many videos go viral. So now I'm at a place where I'm like, Broadway has always been my dream. It's time for me to sit down and, um, write a Broadway musical. And I have a really good idea of, of some of the uh, somewhat of an idea of the story that I want to tell and how I want to tell it. And that was the thing I was always waiting for. I, I don't, I think I needed like in the wizard of Oz, when Glenda says, you know, you've always had the power to go home. You just wouldn't have believed it. If I told you, I think that I needed to do all of these videos. I needed to sing at McDonald's and do flash mobs at target and make parody videos and then tell my own story through, you know, through music with straight out of Oz and i have done forbidden and I've done a couple of albums. And now I think that all of those things, Things have prepared me to tell this next story that I'm going to tell, and so I think it's something that happens organically it's not like a, a a decision that I sit down and 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 make intentionally it's just like you know as I'm growing as a person I'm growing artistically
0: do you feel like are you inspired to create based on what you see other people creating or do you think you get inspired you see an article a color a like is it more intangible or it's more like oh what would my version of a musical be?
1: I think it's a combination of both. I think that I definitely keep an eye out for the music and like what is cool and what's popular in that moment. But I also am very much so inspired by just like walking through the woods and an idea will come to me if I'm just in a secluded area or if I go see a musical or hear a song on the radio, like that could inspire me a a, a picture of a, a shoe could inspire me to write a song. It could be something so insignificant to most people that could just spark like an entire idea in a different world that people have never heard of. It, it can also do that for me. So it's a, it's a combination of both.
0: Do you have like a, a team of people that you're collaborating with or is it more that you're getting ideas and you're sort of going, okay guys, this is what we're gonna make from here. Yeah, it's
1: like I'm the Ursula and I have a bunch of different tentacles. There's nobody that I specifically... Uh, collaborate with. I think my team is always changing. They, we call it Toddy School for Girls because a lot of people who say they want to be a content creator, an actor, performer, song, songwriter, choreographer, they come to me and they're at a certain level of their career. And then I push them very, very hard. And then we get to a place where, where they, they are then able to like graduate and go off and do things. And they take the skill sets they learned from making videos and Working with me to to go make their careers flourish, and I love it. Even though it's a bittersweet, it's always sad for me to see them go. It, they help me, and I help them in a way. So it's a really, really awesome exchange that we have together. Do
0: you, I'm just, I'm asking you 10,000 questions. I just want to know. So stop me. if All right. Okay. Oh, thank You're you. Welcome. Are you a perfectionist?
1: Am I a perfectionist?
0: I just feel like the the detail in the work that you do is so intricate that I feel like that would be hard to achieve if you didn't have a real intense focus on things being done in an exacting way.
1: I think that I am a perfectionist, but I am not a type A personality. So I want perfection, but I want it to be convenient and fast. I want to make a video in three days, but I want it to be in a period piece. And the wigs have to be right and the costumes have to be right. And I expect that people jump through hoops sometimes to make that happen. And that's not fair to them. So I'm trying to be less Tasmanian devil-esque in my approach to creating because I think that a lot of times I have to cut corners and my mind is always going a million miles a minute. And I don't equate that to dollars. Like I have an imagination that supersedes anything that I would be able to ever get my hands on physically. And so I am one of those people that will take every single dime that I get and I will pour it back into my art so much to the point where there have been lots of times when I was creating art that I couldn't eat and I didn't know how I was going to survive the next day. But I'm never depressed about that because I always feel that it's worth it. I think it's what has been difficult as life has progressed is finding people who also feel that it's worth it because they're like, you can do right. that for you. But for me, I, I need to make sure that my credit's good. I need to make sure that I have money and stuff. And so it has been difficult for me because I think I suffer from a little bit of the Peter Pan syndrome that Michael Jackson had, where I'm such a child. I want to live in a play world forever. I want to, I hate, sometimes I have a really internal struggle with the fact that I live in LA and what I do now is a career because I would do this for free. I'm not obsessed with money and like, and I don't usually do things, even if it's a lot of money, if it doesn't excite me, then I'll just say no, unless I need it if I desperately need that money to be able to make a creation happen, then it's worth it for me to do it. But if it's just an awesome opportunity to travel to Dubai and sing and they're like, we'll pay you $50,000. But I'm like, I don't really want to go to Dubai to go to a club because that right. doesn't excite me creatively. So no, yeah. you can keep your $50,000. Yeah. And I think that that is the struggle that I have. Like I miss being a, the the childlike part of you that just wants to sing and just wants to dance and just wants to be on a stage and just wants to create and paint and and build and just and let your mind go to places that where there are no limits because your imagination is just that vibrant and that explosive that you can't stay asleep because you have so much that you want to give creatively. I miss that aspect because now that people know that you are, that there's money attached to your name before you can ever be creative. They want you to sign a contract. You have to sign an NDA. You have to sign your life away. And people I feel are always trying to like gain something from you like they're not in it because they mm-hmm. are an artist and they want the art to be great they're in it because they oftentimes I very rarely see people that I collaborate with that are just there because they love to create and I think it shows in the work sometimes so I think yeah. I went on a tangent there but I am a perfectionist
0: no I love it in, in a <laughs> lot of senses I love it yeah well the the thing when you have had success in a certain area and I I know this well that you know, as an author, I wrote books and nobody really cared about my books. And I, I was so happy. Like I just wrote whatever I wanted to write and I had these crazy ideas and I would put them down and 12 people read them and I thought that was awesome. And then I had a book that exploded and it shifted the way that I was able to create my art because now people expect a very specific thing for me and stepping outside of what they expect then affects everything else and you have the people that you've partnered with and like a publisher or an editor or whatever who have they because money has attached itself to your creative outlet it changes the way people want that to show up which i think is so it seems like such an odd thing if you're not inside of it but i would imagine especially for someone like you where so much of what you're doing feels so fresh based on what you've done before and if you're going into an industry where people are like, hey man, can you just recreate, you know that thing that you did for her? Can you just do that for us? Cause that was so good. Yeah. And you, at least from the out, from an outsider perspective, you strike me as someone who you're always wanting to do something fresh. You don't want to regurgitate what you've done before.
1: I don't. I think that's the struggle I'm having right now because I think that sometimes as an artist, you want to give people something new and inventive, but I'm starting to think that the world is becoming very um, easy to please. I watch videos of the the biggest stars and i'm like this is very uninspired and even though it has billions of views like it doesn't have anything to do with your song and no one cares and no one's asking those questions anymore and i struggle always with like well do i just give people what they want so i can just like be secure as a human being or should i just be like you know i don't really care how many views it gets like this is what my heart wants to do and it's just a, a huge conflict and i understand what you're saying and on top of that on top of the expectation For you artistically and for your gift, there's an expectation when once you get people love it when you're a small person because you're they're like, Oh, that's cute. But when you have success, then you are no longer allowed to be human. You can't make mistakes, you can't fall, you can't fail. And like that is the entire point of living. The entire reason we exist on the planet is to fall and get back up, to burn your hand and realize that it's hot, to fall off your bike and learn how to master that, to you know. It's just, it's the pressure on right now that people put on social media influencers to be perfect is just, it's just, I don't know. It's just,
0: I don't even know if it, I don't even know if it's honestly the pressure for them to be perfect. I think that we have created this monster that wants people that wants to point out how you failed. They want, and, and I think as creators, the answer to that is just to be okay with it. Yeah. Like to me if you're going to be an artist or creator and you're using social media as a platform in this year and beyond, it is getting a thick enough skin to just be like I'm going to throw this out there and whatever it is it is. Yeah. Because it's changing so much in the environment that we're living in right now is freaking insane.
1: Oh, I there know. is
0: no it's How many songs did we sing when we were younger that are so inappropriate? I was laughing with my best friend about this the other day. The number one song of like God, I want to say, I can't remember the year, but I was looking at the Billboard charts was, and I can't think of what it's called, but I'm gonna sing to you, oh, and I, I can't cannot wait, sing, Give me the so vocals. I just get ready, but like, um, and I'm probably gonna mumble, but like, baby, when we're grinding, so I get excited. so excited. Yeah, remember that feel a little poke oh my coming God. through. Yes. That song is so inappropriate. Oh, my God. It's the number one song of its year. That entire song is about him being hard in a club and rubbing it on her leg. Wow. Like Like, this was a song that I sang as a young girl. No idea what I was talking about. Absolutely. Just like, oh, yeah, you're making it hard for me. That's the name oh of my the song. Oh, my God. Hard for
1: me. Oh my gosh! Sorry,
0: we just went to a dark no, place. No, but it's so funny. I needed but to. That is a real. I need to
1: go look up those lyrics because I feel like I was singing that, but right. I made my own my own lyrics. We didn't know what we were so. saying.
0: We did not know. Oh my gosh, what's next besides writing a musical? What's next for you?
1: Um, I I'm I have for the first time as an adult and uh in my life I'm going to therapy, so I think. I have been taking advantage of this time to be creative, but also to figure out what it is that I need, because I am not a very like a a person that focuses on my mental health. And I think I make myself so busy that I don't struggle with depression or anything like that, thankfully. But I think that I have not been, I I don't think that I know what being a normal human is like, like, I don't, I think that I've always been an odd person who just ran away from reality. And I think if I don't figure that out now and like, Understand what it's like to be in a room with yourself without watching TV or without, I have no idea what that's like to just sit in a room without the TV playing, without a phone, without anybody around. I think I would lose my mind if I just had to sit in a room for one Mm -hmm. day just with my thoughts I've never done that. And I think that that's really, really important for me to like try to unpack that and figure out what that is about. I want to be in a relationship, but not bad enough to settle. So I just need to find someone. And when you're a public figure, it's really difficult. And while I'm not Beyonce or Taylor Swift, thank God, because like I can't even imagine what it's like you know, being close with Taylor. It's been very interesting to watch her life and how she navigates through this same planet that I'm on. But with, with every person <laughs> on the planet knowing who she is, that must be so difficult difficult and I think that she handles it really really well and people don't reach out and oftentimes and say hey how's your mental health like you can't go to a grocery store if you right. want to you can't walk around it's like it's literally unsafe for you so that's that's difficult but but I am like a a big fish in a small pond. If you're a gay man or a musical theater lover, you probably know who I am. And since I intend to marry or date another gay man long term, I feel like it's just insane because when I meet people now, like they know so much about me or I know that I exist and I don't know them. And that's just a strange concept. So I'm trying to get over that, Mm -hmm. but I'm really ready to find somebody who I can fall in love with, someone who I can watch Disney movies with, who appreciates Broadway, who's spontaneous, who makes me laugh who challenges me mentally. I, wanted, I I That is like a priority of mine because I, I want to share my life and my accomplishments with someone and hear about their life and their accomplishments and, and compliment them. But also I just am ready to like now, I, like I think that the world has been changing so much and the entertainment industry has been changing so much that for a long time i think that social media influencers were just always looked at as like second class citizens when it came to the entertainment industry and now we everything is going virtual and everything is going online and these people who people thought were not really talented like a lot of times they have the ability to star in broadway shows to star in movies and to get more eyeballs on those projects than the traditional celebrities that we that we grew up knowing and loving and so I think that now is the time for the first time in my life. Like I've never felt like me telling a story that was authentic to me would would have an impact. That I could win a Tony Award for telling a story that I felt passionate about. I felt like I had to make it a more heteronormative and um and 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 create like something that would appeal to the masses always in order to be able to get that huge like in the heights Wicked Hamilton success. And now for the first time in my life, I'm like, no, I think you could tell your authentic story. And if it was the more authentic and the more true it is to you, the the greater chance it has of being successful. So I'm really excited about just having the courage to stop my life and pause and, and dive deep into that because it's just been my lifelong dream. But it's so scary to think about spending years and years of your life and creativity on a project that could open on Broadway and close in two months, you know. It's, it's a very scary thing, but it's something but I want to do. This
0: is, I mean, this is the time, yeah. right? This is the time when we do have this pause, when Broadway isn't happening to sort of dig into what that is. And first of all, there's no way it opens and closes. There's no right. way. It's just impossible. You're right, Rachel. Uh, just, you're too talented. You're too creative. It, it's going to be something no one's ever seen before. It's going to be disruptive and original and unique. There's just no way. So um, let me prophesy that over you right now. The other piece is that even if you created the, this dream of your heart, it was everything you wanted to, to be, the, the costumes and the wigs and the set, and it was all exactly as it was meant to be, what that would do for your spirit, what would that What would that do for the version of you five years from now who like had this idea in his heart and made it manifest is so powerful. I think we get tricked into... It being about the art being successful instead of the art just being what it is. I, I, I truly believe that it would be impossible for you to create anything that wasn't wildly successful. But worst case scenario, if it wasn't this huge, massive financial success, but you got to create the thing that you have in your heart, that's a win all day. You're
1: right. That's the same advice RuPaul gave me, by the way. So,
0: oh, God. I mean, if I had a dollar for the amount of time, <laughs> it, right? No, well, I can't wait to see what you Thank do. Thank you so much. I am. I stand in awe. I I owe at least three muscles on my body to your music because I listen <laughs> to it all the time. Thank you. I'm just so inspired. I'm so inspired by the work, and I just you know, if I can give you anything, I'm sure you get this feedback all the time, but just keep doing what you're doing because it brings joy and it brings good energy to the world. And I love getting to consume it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to like meet you officially, yeah. virtually at least.
0: Yes. And please tell your assistant. Thank you for hyping oh, I up. Will. I appreciate that, that feedback. Hey, if, if people have been living under a rock and they do not follow you yet, where should they go follow you online?
1: Um, I am at Todrick uh, on Instagram, Twitter. And if you look up Todrick on social media on YouTube, you'll find me there. And also I have two adorable new cats that I think the world love. Right. And their names are Regina and George. It's Regina underscore X underscore George. You should follow them as well because you can see a lot more of me on their Instagram.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, have a fantastic weekend, man. I really appreciate getting the chance to meet you in real life. Same.
1: It was a pleasure. And hopefully this will be the first of many.
0: Your Faves Faves is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support from Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Your Faves Faves is a 3% chance production.